0: There are challenges that come with being Black and in an America. Irrespective of where, whether you're Caribbean or African-American or whatever, like there's, there's, there's challenges that come with having dark skin in America. Like understanding that challenge, are you gonna allow that to be the hindrance from you achieving your dreams, moving forward, pursuing certain things or everything else? Or are you gonna use that as a crush and then blame lack of progress on that?
1: What's up, y'all? It's Don B. Welcome back to The Six. So this is our second episode where we're going to be covering black identity. And if you haven't listened to the first episode, make sure you go back and listen to that one first. In this episode, we're going to talk about quite a few things in regards to black identity. But primarily, we're going to look at the the notion of black people all being the same and discussing how we're actually quite different. You have Africans, those who have their own culture, you have Caribbeans who bring their own culture and you have African Americans who also have found a way to build their own culture. This is definitely going to be an interesting episode. Make sure you stay tuned.
0: One of the things I was always interested about is eat and, 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 you see this like when you watch like you I to well, like w- watch Black Panther how even within the Black community we depict each other you know people would like if, if you came in there with an African name like people would literally like try to clown you or something like that and like it was just like interesting it's sort of like you know even within the Black community uh, the amount of preference we show toward people who you know look or sound or come from like our background is something because i think some people are like well you know black people black people black people but like there's a lot of people who are I, like i i know some like women who if i if they came home with a dude who was african-american that didn't have like a great degree their parents like why are you marrying that you know broke and you know broke ass whatever so like you know be, there's there's you know classism or whatever even within the community because um you know, it, and that's one of the things that's always surprised me um, is that, like, you think it's like, OK, well, you know, I, yes, I can go date this woman from 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 Ghana or from Nigeria. But like, how would power, you know, how are her parents going to respond if we don't actually come from the same culture?
2: I think I think those people are the most discriminatory, to be honest with you. So, like, um, you know, be, being uh, Nigerian, there's a tons of tribes. uh within the Nigerian culture, there's three main, three main ones. So there's the Yoruba, Hausa, and Igbo tribe. I just happen to be from the Igbo tribe. And I'm sorry, my mom would kill me for saying that. I just so happen to be from the Yoruba tribe. And within the Yoruba tribe, there's a, there's a um, term we use for people who are Yoruba, who act as though they're American and they call it Akata. So Hmm. like, so when someone like is, you know, like someone's a Nigerian and like they want to talk like they're, you know, a black bo- American born black, they say, ah, who, who is this a kata boy? You know, what I mean, that's like <laughs> and that's like a, and they're like, that is that is a derogatory. So like even within our own culture, like uh, if a Yoruba person marries an Igbo person, like that's a huge deal, even mm. though like they could both be Christian, they could both, you know, you know, be from the same city or whatever. But like even within tribes,
3: there's discrimination. But Abe, like going back to your going back to your wedding, because at least for me, like that was the first time like being I felt like fully immersed in uh in a in a culture. So mm-hmm. you and your wife, like you guys your families come from different tribes, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when like we were at the reception and you guys had essentially two MCs. And they were <laughs> right. over each other. Yeah, and they
1: were being it's son. it sounded like
3: <laughs> it sounded hella aggressive.
1: So a really cool thing about this panel is that we're all friends. And back in twenty nineteen, some of us got to witness Abe marry his beautiful wife. She is also Nigerian. So those dudes who were able to go, they got to see firsthand the identity of Abe, but more specifically the
3: Nigerian identity. Take a listen. And Starved. we were like, looking at each other like like, is everything alright? Like are they about to like throw hands? <laughs> like it's like getting really heated. Like, nah, this is yeah, just I how think, it is.
0: Yeah, uh, at one point one of them rubbed ten dollars on you, and then the other one came up to me I was like, yo, let me borrow 20. I'm about to I'll, I'll do this bitch real quick. I was like, yo, <laughs> oh my I, was God. Like, <laughs> I was like, yo, why are they beefing like this? Yo, it was wow. I mean. There were a lot of, I mean, I think when you talk about just differences in the community and look, like, I'll, 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 keep it a buck. That was the first real, you know, like I've been, to, it's crazy to think, but I've been to more, like I said, I've been to more Jewish weddings and I've been to, you know, African weddings and by African, I mean like friends from Nigeria, Ghana, South Africa, what have you. But like yours was the first one that I had been to like both days of it and really, you know felt like again like Robert used the word immersed felt kind of immersed in it and there were just some things that like were funny it was it was amazing but there were definitely like I told you before <laughs> when I talked to your cousin and he looked at me and I was like bruh and he's like oh you thought this was CP time nah son it's not Jerry in time <laughs> and I was like I was like yo I was sitting up there like yo we got to the joint at noon which we were already like yo we're going just rolling around noon,' yo and like Four o'clock. I was like, "Yo, are they coming out?" I was like, "We we <laughs> are supposed to be here today, right?"
3: The, the 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 second part to that, which was wild, was, div. Your mom came like late, and yes, they we had, y'all restarted the whole joint over. Like you for her, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And it's like, yeah. you, you go to any other weddings, like, oh no, they're just they're just running late, and we're just gonna <sighs> keep it moving. This is like, nah, we gotta start this joint from the jump. Like, yeah. all the way back at the beginning.
0: You know what else I learned that day is that, like, Nigerians don't have any inferiority complex because, like, some people would be, like, really apologetic, like, you know, my fault. Like, y'all were, like, bump it. Like, I remember yeah. it got to a point. I was talking to the waitress because she was a little cute. And I was like, so, like, what, you know, like, what, you know, how, you know what y'all up to tonight? She's like, oh, we have another event here beginning at six. And it was like 4.30, and we hadn't eaten yet. And I was like, Oh my god. I was like, You sure? And she's like, Oh no, we have another event here at six. And I was like, Oh wow. And not <laughs> one person was like, Hey, we need to hurry up and get out of here. We're so sorry. Y'all like, yo, y'all like bump it. We stand in a parking lot. Like, we are going to like post up. Like, y'all are not, like, this is Y'all, y'all booked our event. We are the priority, and I was like, yo, I respect that because I know, you know, I know hella people that would have been like, we're so shy, we're embarrassed. I'm like, yo, fuck it, my boy's getting married, and know, we yeah. are the priority here. And I was like, it's kind of gangster.
2: A lot of pride, a lot of pride in the Nigerian culture. It's um that that was a really interesting day because, uh, what you witnessed basically was two tribes trying to figure out how to do an event. With with like that with so t- completely different cultural norms. So like the Yoruba tribe, if you could probably, if you, as you probably noticed, we're very showy people. We love to be the center of attention, and we love money. Like those are the things that you could just book it for us. So the when we when my family came through, it was loud. There was a lot of money being sprayed, and everybody was just like dancing, trying to get. In front of the camera basically right and then um and then where her family came through was a little as a little different because you know her tribe is more from the countryside of nigeria so they don't they're not really like city folk um so they're very very reserved and like there wasn't that money that much money being thrown they don't want to be the center of attention so you had that you know the two to the two mcs basically embodied those two like those two different ideals and you know, at one point, you know, the, the MC from my my wife's tribe was like, Hey, you know what? Let's stop talking about money so much. Like, this isn't all about money. And and then my and then my uh, MC was like, No, 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 that's what we do. You know what I mean? And it was this constant battle. Um, and we luckily we got through it. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a little uncomfortable for a little bit.
1: Abe's identity is crystal clear. He knows where he comes from, he knows his descendants, and he believes knowing this gives him a sense of identity.
2: You know, I, I don't know what it's like to not know my identity, but I do know that the those who do have one have a great sense of pride and it mm. almost helps them complete their story. You know, I think at the end of the day, like knowing where you came from and it really kind of helps you and helps you navigate where you're going. So in like with the absence of that kind of information, I can definitely see it being like a deterrent to like finalizing your story. So um, like the only way that you can truly kind of close that loop is if you try to investigate the origin, right?
1: Not all of us are conflicted with not knowing where or who we specifically
3: came from. And here's why. It feels like the 23andMe or the Ancestry.com. And it's like, you can, you can, dive back into history a little bit but then it's like all right i'm from this area in africa and that's cool and then you go on about your daily life like i feel like it takes like a a concerted effort after you find that information out and it's so based on the individual like how much deeper do you want to go and and to find out more information um or is it just like, all right, that's cool. And then I, like I said, just go about my daily life and it doesn't really close the loop. Like you don't know necessarily all the traditions that Abe, someone like you knows, like your, your origin from the beginning, all of these, um, all of these things are so deeply rooted and yes, you can find out where you're from, but then like. I
0: mean, cause I've thought about this a lot. Like, I've always thought about looking up my, my, my ancestry and everything. And I'm going to do it at some point, but I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't really believe like, like, let's, let's say I find out that. I don't know. I'm from Ghana or my, my parents came from, Ivory, I mean, my not, my ancestors came from Ivory Coast or something like that. I don't know if that's going to change just me personally. This is me personally. At this point I'm 38 years old. Like, right. I don't know if that is going to change the way I approach life going forward, Knowing that, and I'll and I'll be honest. If I showed up there, like I don't know if I'd even be accepted as family. Like I mean, you know, it's not like I think you know, it's not. I'm I'm still like an American or whatever Abe said that term was uh, before. Like I'm still that to to this set of people.
1: There's a term you might have heard in an earlier episode called mental handcuffs. We refer to it quite a bit. We believe it's a byproduct of not knowing where you came from, not having descendants, which you can look back toward, and not really having a true origin, while also trying to find a foothold in the place that you call home.
0: There are challenges that come with being black in in America irrespective of where, whether you Caribbean or African American or whatever, like there's 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 challenges that come with having dark skin in America, like understanding that challenge, are you going to allow that to be the hindrance from you achieving your dreams, moving forward, pursuing certain things or everything else? Or are you going to use that as a crutch and then blame lack of progress on that? Now, not everybody that's that's had bad stuff happen to them is using it as a crush. Like, bad stuff is happening to black people in America. Just like bad stuff is happening to a lot of people everywhere. But, like, there are people who, you know, also I think there's a difference between, like, you know, that and the person who is, like, saying, like, hey, the white man won't let me get ahead. Like, or maybe you just ain't getting ahead.
1: Here's my take on it. The immigrant, the black immigrants who are coming over here, they can... They can look back at their culture and I guess you can say their support system and the people who embody their culture and say, well, they've done it and I'm going to do it. And Rob made the point, black American culture is so fluid that the only thing we can latch on to are the mental handcuffs because we were raised in that versus immigrants coming over to that with a different background instead of experiences and saying oh well okay well this is this is adversity uh for, this is adversity that i'm facing in this moment i'm going to overcome it whereas you have black americans who are who have gone who have lived through this adversity who were raised in this adversity they don't know anything different
0: but this adversity there's this there is a unique experience that's unique to being a black american but like it's also american culture as well because like look, I don't know another culture besides American culture. Like I know, you know, I know what it's like to be black in America. I know what it's like to live in America, but like, you know, it's not like, I think when you think about like culture and benefits and value system, like, you know, I think the black American dream is similar to the American dream. Get education, get a good job, you know, get, get, Get a house with a white picket fence, have two point five children, a dog, and a car and a half. Like that's the that's what everybody wants, right? So, I don't think I, I you know I don't know if it, it varies that much from the yeah. overall American experience. I just think the exper the the cult the value system is similar. to experience is different. Like how how, how, yeah. how, how yeah. what it takes me to get my 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 house with a picket fence, two point five children, a, a dog, and one and a half cars. I feel like it's different than what it takes other people to have to get theirs. It goes back to that old Chris Rock skit, like when he's like, he's like, he's like, I live in Bergen County, one of the richest county in the world. My neighbors are Mary J. Blige and Jay Z, one greatest R&B singer ever, other greatest rapper ever. Our neighbor is a dentist. Dentist. This dude yeah. didn't invent teeth. He didn't invent teeth. <laughs> that grind is the you know is the same you know, irrespective of whether you're black or Caribbean, like we all got to ground and get it. But I also think you also, yes, do you need to work twice as hard to get half as far? Yeah. I still believe that.
1: I decided to play a word association game with everyone that provides geographic context. Being that identity is so closely tied to location. Yo. Southern blacks.
2: Ooh, tough. Um, they're, they're gonna hate me for saying this but you know i would definitely say uh the, the word that comes to my mind is disadvantaged mm, um, okay elaborate because because for a large part i think it was just the last decade i think uh, i think maybe either in the 2000s or the 2010s um interracial marriage was like banned from some like a constitution i think it was alabama's constitution something like that like it j it, like just then so, like, that kind of mentality is just kind of permeated throughout all of, um, you know, the, the, like, that whole, the whole part of that country, and it really is just, like, an eternal power struggle between the people who are in power, which are, you know, um, those who, you know, make the laws and, you know, legislate and things like that, and those who have historically been disenfranchised and subjugated to, things like slavery like we know like there's a certain part in time where the north northern blacks were free at one point and they were like chilling i mean not chilling but they weren't enslaved uh, i mean we all saw 12 years a slave um like that man uh solomon norfolk i believe his name is like was moved like shipped to the south was free in the north and was shipped to the south He was it was a slave in the south um it's just they were just so behind and uh, i just think that type of mentality still is embedded in a lot of people's brains and minds uh, in the South. So a black person in the South, I do believe is disadvantaged uh, because of that. African immigrants.
3: Um, Prideful. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. They, they know where they come from and they know and they, and they embrace it and they're not apologetic about it. No matter, you know, what that culture is. Um, they own it. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you like, you, you take it or leave it, but they don't care if you leave it um, because this is who they are. And this is who they're always going to be. And I think that's, that's generationally um, you don't, to me, you don't really see that fall off um, from generation to generation. Um, It's very uh, deeply rooted. So prideful.
1: Black men
0: in the Northeast. Oh, geez i would say tough and savvy maybe 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 i can give it a more than one word but maybe tough and okay. savvy okay because like some of the some of the most educated brothers i know come from the northeast i just think there's you know i think you know in the northeast there's a lot of thought and also i think you know when you think about places where um you know really sharp sharp people get a chance to um get out and learn some things that may, you know, defy even like the natural segregation that happens in society. When you think about growing up in just all black neighborhoods, like the Northeast is one of the first places that, you know, you know, you get kids who you know, grew up in the Bronx and want to choke, you know what I mean? On different programs, you don't mm-hmm. see that everywhere. So, you know, I would say tough because, you know, um, you gotta be tough growing up in some of these settings, Baltimore, Philly, New York, Jersey, I guess, Boston. Um, but uh, you also, you know, got You got to have you got to be smart and have that savviness that I see a lot of times. time. So um, those are two. Those are that's, that's what that's what comes in my head.
2: No, 21st century black American.
0: Entrepreneurs.
1: Hmm. I think I, 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 G talked about it earlier with with the world becoming flat. Due to internet and globalization, and uh, parts of this parts of the world that weren't as accessible as they are now, as well as pioneers in this in, in, in the black community who are going out there, going out into the world, and looking for an ownership stake. Not they're not looking for wages. They're looking for profit. They're looking for assets. I think th- these pioneers are going to start to influence those who are coming behind us. And you're seeing it with the athletes. You know, the, the specifically NBA. These guys are leveraging their ability to uh, their abilities, the, their the art form, into l- long long long-term assets. And I think that's going to influence. This current, not, it, it, it's already influenced this generation, but I think it's going to become a part of the culture, and I, I, I really hope it becomes uh, a, a, a embedded part of the culture where we have young black kids who are, instead of just looking to use their bodies to express art form, they're using their minds to express ideas and creative thought to be bought into the world because there's so much wealth to be had while dollars might be finite. There's wealth. There's infinite wealth to be had. And I I think that if the black, if if the 21st century black community, black man can really grasp that concept that they are greater than what they're, they're greater than their body, um, that they can do things beyond, uh, Beyond just working and hustling and but putting together systems and, uh, to, to get to the point of ownership and owning assets, I, I, I think uh, we, have a, we have a great chance to, to uh, have a really strong culture. So that, that's what I see for the 21st century blacks. We've covered so much, but it's good to understand what a group of black men are personally identifying themselves with. I think you'll find an interesting perspective.
0: I identify with my family more than I de- identify with anything else. Like I identify with being a Thaniel. like and what that means to me is like someone like, um, like I come from a loving family. So we are we care about people. We care about our faith. Like I care, come from a caring home. You know, we care. We invest in one another. Like I identify with like my family more than, I, you know, more than I identify with like, you know, the overall you know black community as a whole. Like I identify with my hometown, like Baltimore. And I think that's what you start seeing with an African-American community. We identify with where we're from. So I identify with Baltimore. It's a place that is rough and rugged, but it's like a, it's like a, it's a diamond, but you got to polish it. But like, if you polish it, it'll be one of the most beautiful diamonds in the world. But so I identify with, you know, caring about people and, and all those things. Um, that's what I identify with more so than just identifying with like every, every black person in America. Hmm.
3: Yeah. I I would, I would say that I identify with, um, my my dad, like instilled (laughs) in me at a young age, like a set of like core values or core beliefs. Um, and I identify with, with that to a certain degree, but I really identify more so with the people that I surround myself with. So mm. how Gary um, is very much all about the Daniels. Um, and I love my family too. That's nothing not, not to take away from, from that. Um, and he he's very much um, identified with the city of Baltimore. Like my upbringing, like we grew up, every. I, I grew up everywhere. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. necessarily identify with a certain geographical area. I know that when I was growing up, like I struggled with um, kind of figuring out my place in the world, so to speak. Obviously, I knew that I was different. I was able to latch on to sports and I'm not trying to go into like my history or anything like that. But I think it's very telling the way that you grow up um, and where you grow up and the people that you surround yourself with. That's really what you're trying to latch on to. And this again goes back to like, our conversation earlier where it's so fluid um so i identify with the people that i surround myself with and i'm extremely blessed to be surrounded by y'all because y'all are some of the greatest people that i know and um i want to be more like you guys so that's really what i identify myself with
2: hmm. Well, i i must say like my identity is probably just like a really messy venn diagram you know i uh mm-hmm. I identify, like, and and honestly, over time, my identity has changed immensely. You know, when I was younger, a lot like you, Don, I wanted to be like MJ. I grew up in Chicago. So, I mean, you'd be foolish to not want to be like him uh, as a young kid in the 90s. Uh, But I really just wanted to fit in so badly because I knew how different my family was from everybody I associated with uh, because I was largely associated with a lot of Americans at school. So I just wanted to be like them, and I didn't want to look different. So I really denied the Nigerian and the Muslim part of me when I was younger and tried to hide that. But as I got older, I realized how unique it actually is. And um, one thing, some things I regret, I regret never learning the language that my parents speak. Um, You know, I regret never really truly embracing it, never eating like I don't really eat a lot of Nigerian food, you know, so like you go to parties and stuff, I don't even like eat some of the food. Cause I, I just didn't like it. I I, so, I disassociated myself with it, but like now I fully embrace the Nigerian part of me, the Muslim part of me, um, but I also embrace other parts of me a lot, a lot like what Don said, like as I learned more, I wanted to, I, I picked p- little bits and pieces from people I learned about and I just found it very, very unique and aspirational, but the most probably influential person that I've learned about like in the last 10 years is my grandfather. And he's probably the one I I identify with the most um, just because of what he became and what he did for, you know, the generation before me. So my mother and her brothers and sisters like bringing them all here was like a real visionary knowing that, you know, like Nigeria was not gonna be prosperous forever. He like sent all of his children to America knowing that you know they were going to have to start a new life and he he did it with all all on his own dime so and he had that kind, he had it like that so i just really identify with you know that the lore of my grandfather because it's something that's very aspirational for me
1: black identity african american identity before i even close with this topic. Let me say that I myself, I identify with my family to an extent. I also think I identify with the guys on this podcast. I consider them family. They're not my friends. They're my brothers. However, I also identify with people that I want to become aspirationally. So Who I identify with has always been fluid in my life. And I think that it should be fluid in everybody else's life as well. If we only identify with one thing, we're going to stay in one place. Listen to my reasoning. When I was young, I identified with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. I wanted to play basketball and be just like those guys. Basically, when I knew I wasn't going to make it to the NBA, I saw it in the cards. I needed to change my focus and identify with others, other people who I wanted to be like. Earlier in the podcast, you probably heard a story about a Chris Rock skit. The point that he was making was him, Mary J and Jay-Z, who are these international superstars making great money, world famous. They're living next to a dentist. Now, that's not to poo-poo on a dentist. That's to say, good for that dentist who's living next to these international superstars. So, the people that I'm aspiring to be like and the people that I'm identifying with are the individuals who are like the dentist. But even more so, I identify with the entrepreneur who, like the dentist, lives on that same block next to those guys, Jay-Z, Mary J, and so on. The entrepreneur is somebody who's most likely flying under the radar, who's enjoying similar trappings, and who's leveraging the abilities and the capital of others to multiply his own profits. Why isn't this something that we can do? We may not have a strong culture that we can turn around and say, this is where we came from. But we can choose who we want to identify with and go and emulate the characteristics they hold that have allowed them to achieve excellence. If I only identify myself with my family, then I'd get the similar returns that my family has gotten. If I want greater opportunities, I need the option to identify with multiple individuals who I aspire to emulate. I think this is something we all can do. And to be honest, I haven't achieved shit. However, in theory, I think we can all agree that this is something that can be done and something that should be done. We've always heard as kids, look up to those that you want to be like. This is the same exact thing. Now, there's going to be times of trial and tribulations, and that is the time that I believe you need to revert back to your roots. If you've had strong as strong upbringing, that's where you refer back to your identity to help you push through those tough times. But in these moments where we're striving for something greater, we can't. Choose one thing to be like. We need multiple options because this isn't a one size fits all type of ordeal. We need to take what works for us, pick and choose what we want to be like and make it fit for us in our life. And then repeat what those individuals are doing on a daily basis to achieve excellence every damn day. Forget looking back and seeing what we don't have. Let's look forward and go get what we deserve. I'm Don B. This is The Six. Stay dangerous.